BAM Radio Network. I think if you aren't careful about the way you approach people, they're not going to embrace what you share. I just happen to have the best possible advice for you and you should take it. We tend to overestimate the value of our advice. And you know, you start teaching the class, you realize, you know, my advice isn't quite as good as I thought. Welcome to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host. Instructional coaching is now widely recognized as a key component of teacher professional development and school improvement, and it could be an important factor in education's ability to recover from the pandemic. But what do we need to know about instructional coaching to make it impactful, supportive, and sustainable? Does your school have the right approach and resources in place? I'm Anthony Rabora, the Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership. I'm joined today by Jim Knight, one of the foremost experts on instructional coaching. He is a senior partner with the Instructional Coaching Group, a regular columnist for educational leadership, and the author of many influential books. His most recent book is entitled The Definitive Guide to Instructional Coaching, Seven Factors for Success. You say you wrote the book to summarize what you've learned from 20 years of studying instructional coaching and working with coaching. So what is your main motive in writing this book now? What's the big idea you're trying to get across about instructional coaching at this point and its evolution? Well, I would say there's a, a few related ideas. One of them is better teaching will lead to better learning. And the second thing is the way in which we get better teaching is to treat teachers like professionals. And that means teachers have a lot of autonomy and choice in the way they learn, but it also means they need to learn about the literature on what effective instruction looks like. And so instructional coaching is a a way of helping teachers hit goals they want to hit as teachers, but it involves a form of communication that is, for lack of better terms, mutually humanizing. It makes people feel better, not diminished, because too often professional development feels like this is what you should do, and I'm going to tell you how you do it, and you have to do it with fidelity. And your heart kind of shrivels up when you're told over and over again what you do. Well, this is a whole different kind of thing. This is an expansive approach guided by the teacher's questions, but at the same time, still taps into the literature on what effective instruction looks like. And you, you do have a really uh, specific approach to coaching in mind. Uh, so give a little background of the book. Uh, you lay out seven factors for successful coaching in the book, and these are divided into three categories. And the first one of these categories is who are you? in which you talk about coaches needing to understand their way of being and interacting with teachers. So I thought this was really interesting because I think when most people think of coaches, they think of them as instructional experts. But you are really emphasizing this whole body of preparation around mindset and and interpersonal understanding. Why is this so key in your vision of coaching? I do think coaches have to be experts. They just don't act like experts. They're a teacher talking to a teacher. So I think the expertise is really important. I think if you aren't careful about the way you approach people, they're not going to embrace what you share. And so a simple way to put it would be, I see a coach as helping teachers accomplish the goals a teacher wants to hit, not giving advice, not telling the teacher what to do, because it's pretty clear telling people what to do isn't really an effective way to get change to happen. But if you have a person who sets a goal they really, really want to hit that really matters, and then you help them accomplish their goal, then you're on track to having real change take place. And and that means you should be aware of what your beliefs are. And there are certain communication skills that are really important and certain leadership skills that are really important. I mean, you know, the way you ask questions, the way you listen, do you interrupt people? Are you really open to being shaped by their opinions? All those things come into play uh, so that you can be the kind of person in the way you interact with people that encourages 
and uh, supports the person as they make the changes they want to make. I'm not right. trying to get the teacher to do something. I'm trying to help the teacher do the thing they want to do. That's right. the big difference. So it's really a holistic approach, which is what's interesting to me about it. As anyone who's heard you talk knows, you have, you're have you really big on this non-directive approach. That is, as you say, uh, the, the coaches give a certain amount of autonomy to teachers and they work with to develop solutions instead of just telling them what to do. Um, but I also know there has been some pushback on this. So I, I want to play devil's advocate just to get your response. Uh, if a coach observes a teacher and sees they're doing something wrong or not doing something, or they know of something that would really help in this situation, shouldn't they tell them that? I mean, don't they almost have an obligation to in a situation where the students might be already behind? I would say they have an obligation to interact in the way that's going to lead to the greatest improvements the quickest. They don't have an obligation to tell the person what to do. Okay. Uh, I think we tend to think our advice is Michael Bungay Stanier's book, The, the Advice Trap articulates that pretty clearly. We think our advice is much more valuable than it is. And I want to engage people in a process where, where they're the ones that are solving the problems, not me telling them what to do. Now, at the same time, I don't withhold my opinions. I say what I think. So if somebody's struggling, I might say, is it okay with you if I share some ideas about what I think about this? Because they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. It's naive mm-hmm. to think just because I tell somebody something, they're going to do it. So I think it's going to be more likely you'll have change if you share things as choices rather than as statements of fact about what they should do, because the statement of fact, the idea that I have the right, I just happen to have the best possible advice for you and you should take it. We tend to overestimate the value of our advice. And, you know, you start teaching the class, you realize, you know, my advice isn't quite as good as I thought, you know, you go in and model. <laughs> I, I think that the, the key idea is that um, people will do what they're going to do. And just uh-huh. because you tell them they should do it doesn't mean they're going to do it. In fact, if you have a whole professional development model built around just telling people what to do, likely the best you can get is compliance, not commitment. But if, if you have people analyze what they're doing and, and they're transparent about what they think about what's happening, you're going to have a real conversation about it. There's a much greater likelihood that they'll embrace it and run with it. Right. So that, em- that, uh, that emphasis on humility and conversation is really important in your work. Uh, and you do go into what coaches do. That's the second main category in your book. Um, and you talk about using the impact cycle, which is your, this really well thought out process of identifying problems and working toward integrating and refining new strategies for the teacher. Uh, so it occurred to me when reading this book uh, that this is a very deliberate process that requires a lot of patience and some trial and error. And I was wondering, do you find that that's hard for schools and coaches to adjust to this approach in the current climate where there's you know, so much pressure on finding quick fixes? How do you encourage them to take a, a longer view? First off, I, I think in the current environment, the, the first reaction is compassion. In the current environment, no one's at their best. Everybody is stretched. Uh, everybody is facing challenges. First response of everybody in the system or in, in society should be compassion, including compassion towards yourself. So that's the, the first part. Second thing is, as Peter Senge said a long time ago, quick fixes just make things worse. They don't make them better because every time you try, try a quick fix, you end back where you were before except with a little less enthusiasm for the next change initiative. And the more quick fixes you have, the harder it is to get real change to take place. But I I think the evidence of coaching working and the importance of taking a few weeks to do it well is the results. You know, once you have coaches who are successful and working with teachers to bring about meaningful change that has an unmistakably positive impact on kids' well-being and their achievement, word will spread. 
you know, and more people will want to be involved because they can see it's, it's meaningful and helpful. So I think the, the telling of the tale, so to speak, is what really happens with teachers when you take the time, because everybody knows quick fixes take you back to where you were and they don't really make much change. Right, right. That's a good perspective. Uh, so one last question. So as we've been talking about, we know we're in a really a period of professional crisis in education right now. I don't think that's too extreme a way of putting it. There's a lot of concern about teacher burnout and attrition and just the whole entire profession being under a great deal of stress right now. Do you see instructional coaching as a part of the solution to this? And what would be your message to school leaders on how instructional coaching can help at this point? Yes. In a way, I would say a central theme in my work is that we move forward by treating other people with a great deal of respect in mutually humanizing conversations that affirm people and by learning how to interact in a way I call them life-giving conversations, conversations mm-hmm. that help people move forward. And that um, positioning the teacher as the problem and telling them what to do is probably going to lead to a lot of teachers leaving the profession of teaching. But if we truly see the potential of teachers and we interact with them in a way that honors their capacity to think for themselves, to make their own decisions, that communicates that we see their strengths, they'll blow you away with what they can do. You put a group of teachers together who have uh, the freedom to do what they want and they, they have a chance to really work with each other and work as professionals, they will work late, they'll blow you away. Teachers mm-hmm. are the most committed people going. You know, They're in there at Office Depot, Sunday night, buying something because maybe this activity is going to work better. But if you treat them like they're stocking the shelves at Walmart, they're going to become passive. And I, I think we really need professional people in the role of being teachers, and, and we get them by treating them like professionals. And I'd say that's a, at our approach to instructional coaching, that's a, that's a key, key thing. I see. That's great. Yeah, it really is a really humane and holistic approach, as I was saying. And I think you're exactly right about teachers being among the most committed people there are out there. I want to thank you for taking the time to share your ideas and knowledge with us, Jim. It's always inspiring to talk to you. And thanks to our listeners for streaming or downloading this conversation. We hope you got a lot out of it. To learn more about Jim Knight's book, The Definitive Guide to Instructional Coaching, go to www.ased.org books. And I encourage you to look into it. It's a really rich and thoughtful and well-written book. If you like the ASED Connect podcast, you'll enjoy listening to ISTE's Learning Unleashed with Carl Hooker. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to ASED Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Thanks for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.